Have you considered that no one is truly neutral? Now, I know there's probably some people out there that put on a show of neutrality, but even them, they have their own beliefs that they believe in and that they want to promote and defend. Just as the Christian looks to the Word of God to be his authority as they follow Christ, on the other side, maybe you have an atheist that looks to his own intellect and human reasoning to shape his own worldview. But we all have a position. No one is neutral. This idea of neutrality is the myth of our day. The world wants you to conform to their image. They are not neutral. The world is as far from neutral as you can get. They don't pretend to be neutral. Look at the entertainment industry today. Look at the TV shows and movies all pushing their own agenda. Look at the educational system promoting a way of life that goes directly against our faith. Look at big tech, the corporations, uh, online social media, all promoting an anti-God movement, all promoting the system that eliminates and disregards the word of God. They're not neutral and neither should we be. We need to commit. We need to be all in, especially in the day that we're living, because neutrality is what is weakening the church. If the world can get you to think, well, you could be or should be neutral, well, then you're not really all in. You're not committed to the cause. And if we're to live for the Great Commission, to do what we can to promote the cause of Christ, well, there is no neutral stand with God. You're either all in or you're all out. I'm Damon Matichera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm glad that you've tuned in once again as we continue this discussion around the Great Commission. So the question that we were asking this past week online was, what is your go-to scripture when witnessing and why? So we're hearing first from Melina out of New York, and she writes, The Romans Road. It's very applicable to people's lives. And I couldn't agree more. I think the book of Romans is my favorite book. I love the Apostle Paul's writings. He's very direct. He's very straightforward. The book of Romans is full of doctrinal truth, especially on salvation. Uh, Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 just lays the groundwork for witnessing to someone and showing them that we are indeed guilty. God has revealed himself to us. He has revealed himself through creation, through his word, and we have no excuse. By the time you get to Romans chapter 3, um, it is just full uh, of spiritual truth regarding salvation. From verse 9, it talks about how we're all under sin. Verse 10, how there's none righteous, no, not one. Verse 19, that all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law. Verse 22, the righteousness of God which is by faith. 23, we all know this one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Leading into 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, okay? Starting from verse 25. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just 
and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Paul is saying, listen, his righteousness is being declared. And we saw that his righteousness is without the law. His righteousness is by faith. So verse 27 says, where is boasting then? How can you boast about something that you don't even deserve in the first place? Verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Again, uh, Paul here is differentiating the difference. He's showing the difference between faith and works, how we are saved by faith, not by works. It, we get the righteousness of God without the law. But verse 31, he clarifies and he says, do we then make void the law through faith? Are we canceling out the law just because we're not saved by it? And he says, God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Going back to verse 19, where he, uh, sorry, verse 20, where he says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So Romans chapter 3 is my favorite go-to for me. Um, so Melina, I love the book of Romans. I know that you could go all through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6, um, all the way through to Romans chapter 10, and there is some really good passages there. Um, so great comment. Thank you for that. Our next is from Beth, again out of New York, and she writes John 3.16. It gives a great summary of the gospel, but the reason it's my go-to is the word whosoever. People have told me, well, God wouldn't want me, or I'm not a good person, or I've done some really bad things. Whosoever includes all of them and takes away excuses. Every person has a choice to make. Will you believe? And I love John 3.16. I mean, all scripture is good. All scripture is profitable. But everybody knows John 3.16. It's a very familiar verse. But because of that, it's a great one to lead in with. Uh, if you talk about something that they're familiar with, uh, they're comfortable with this verse, everybody knows it, and you can't go wrong. Parker, out of the great state of Florida, he writes in regard to Titus chapter 3, verse uh, 5 and 6, I've always found it easy to explain the fact that salvation is not of our own. Justification and regeneration are also very good words to explain with what happens to us in the act of salvation. Parker, I couldn't agree with you more. And I love how you wrote how we need to explain these key words that we're reading about. Uh, it's not enough just to read the scripture if the person that we're talking to doesn't have any idea of these words and what they mean. And so as you witness to people, as you read these great passages, make sure you take a little time to define these different words that they might not be familiar with. Redemption, salvation, justification, uh, propitiation, all of these words. Um, a lot of people have no idea what they mean or where to go with it. So thank you so much for those comments. If you're interested in participating, maybe writing in uh, a question or a comment, you can go to our website at hopezambia.com or even online. Uh, we have our Let's Talk missions page and you could write anywhere on there. So we want to hear from you. We want, to, we want you to participate, to join in, with the discussion as, again, we continue to talk about the Great Commission. So have you ever had a conversation with someone and you thought it really was going well? Maybe you were talking to a family member or a friend and as you started kind of leading in, maybe you started with small talk, you know, bringing in the weather, their favorite sports team, how things were going at work. And everything was going great until you opened the Bible, until you brought in the Word of God, and then quickly everything fell apart. 
Maybe even your friend or family member got upset at you, and just the conversation was completely over, and you're left confused and wondering, what did I say? How did how did things go so horribly wrong? Well, you have to understand one thing here: the gospel assumes a moral position. The gospel tells us how we can be made right in the eyes of God, and this is what justification is all about. We talked about how we have to define these words. Well, justification is when we are made right in the eyes of God. But if we need to be made right, then that infers that we are inherently sinful, and no one wants to be confronted with the fact that they're not good enough, and they never will be. So the message of the gospel is that we have been judged by God's law. We've offended God. We've been judged, and we have been found guilty. But the world has rejected God's authority, and they've re rejected His word,、uh, and in turn have created their own sense of morality. War has been declared.、Uh, each side claiming its own authority. Each side claiming its own religion. And there is no room for neutrality. We need to pick a side. We need to be armed. We need to be ready to defend our faith. Now, I'm not saying we need to get ugly about it. We need to respect people. We need to go out with humility. We need to、uh, go out so that we want to persuade people and influence people and teach people. We don't just want to throw information at them just to win an argument, but we want to help people. To understand, so that they can have a relationship with God. But as you become more active in your faith and in fulfilling the Great Commission, it won't take too long for you to realize just how crazy this world has become. Political and cultural change are rocking the foundation on which our nation was built. How we interpret life within a biblical context is being challenged and attacked on every side. And for one of the first times in our lifetime, we're having to know what we believe and why. It's not enough just to be a Christian in name only, to fly under the radar, to be neutral, just to avoid a fight. We need to have something that is real. We need to have a relationship with God that is real. And there will be hard times. There will be difficult times being a Christian in our day, because the world. Is doing everything within its power to resist God and to resist His Word, and me and you, we're the ones in the way. We're the ones that are representing the God that they hate so much, and we're going to want to quit. We're going to want to hide. We're just going to want to find that quiet and peaceable life. But we can't give up. We can't give in. There's no place to hide. There's no place to move to. We cannot outrun the world. Or the effects of sinful humanity, and as we get closer to the day of Christ, we know that things are going to get worse, and that it's going to be even more hard to live for Christ, to take a stand for truth and for right, and to do our best for the cause of Jesus Christ. But some people, in an effort to bridge the gap between the world and Christianity, they feel like they need to take a more moderate stand. Um, and this is really is nothing more than just compromise, because they feel like that as Christians they they don't want to alienate themselves from the world,、um, and they don't want to be so religious and so godly that the world cannot relate to them. But they don't want to be so worldly that they can't identify as a Christian. And so the compromise is well, let me take the middle ground. Let me take a more moderate view. 
But there is no such thing as a moderate worldview for the Christian. John calls this in the book of Revelation being lukewarm. And we know, we know how that ends up with Christ spewing this person out of his mouth. There's a purpose for a hot beverage and for a cold beverage. I can go and order a hot latte. I can order a cold iced latte, but I'm not going to order a lukewarm latte. A moderate worldview is nothing more than mediocrity. And Christians that consistently walk the line to do so in the name of being more moderate, being right in the middle so they can be more effective, uh, they want balance in the They just want to have more of a balance. And they say, oh, we're more balanced. Balanced between what? Between God and this world? The last time I read the Bible, it said that we are not to be uh, in the middle, but we are to give ourselves completely and totally to God. We are to go 100% radically to be given over to do the will of the Lord, not to be in the middle. There is no middle ground with God. And a Christian who always is straddling the line will often cross it. So remember, no one is neutral. Everyone has a position. Everyone has uh, an angle. Uh, this is one of the most pervasive cultural lies today, is that we can or should be neutral. The idea of neutral, the idea of neutrality, rather, uh, goes hand in hand with the secular redefining of tolerance and the belief in relativism. Now, this is really dangerous, this idea of moral and ethical relativism. And that's the idea that morality is relative to your own culture. So culture is what is shaping morality. Culture is what is shaping what is right and what is wrong. So the idea is that what one culture says is wrong might be accepted in another culture. And, you know, and we look at the world today and we see how messed up it is, and how everyone is redefining truth or creating their own truth. And you wonder, how did we get there? Well, we got there with moral relativism. Because this tells us that uh, no one, we all can't be right. You look at the, the church, you look at different religions, and moral relativism says, well, we can't all be right. And if we're, we're not all right, well, then no one is right. And if no one is right, then there is no right. And if there is no such thing as right or wrong, well, then everyone is right. And this is the, the path that moral relativism leads us to. And the problem here is that it allows man to decide what is right and what is wrong, whereas it is God who defines morality. The Bible says, for all have sinned. When we say that there is sin and how sin is the transgression of the law, well, God is the one who created and instituted the law. And his law is absolute. His word is absolute. Truth is absolute. And beliefs presume an authority. Never believe that the world is not representing their own authority. Just as the Christian has an authority that we base everything upon, so does the world. But when we talk about morality, it cannot be subjective or relative according to each individual. We look at morality to guide our lives, to tell us what to do and what to desire, what we should object to, what qualities, what character qualities to develop and which ones not to develop. But we have to be clear that both the Christian and the world presume 
and authority. It's impossible not to. The Christian looks to the Word of God as an absolute authority. We look to the Bible to teach us about character and behavior. We base our beliefs, our standards, what we think about salvation, what we, how we view God. All of that is based on an authority. And just as the Christian looks to God's Word as that ultimate authority and we build our thinking and our worldview on the Bible, so does an unbeliever build their thinking and their reasoning and their worldview on their authority, which is basically whatever they think, <laughs> whatever they say, however they feel at that particular time, that is their authority. So essentially, they are an authority unto themselves, which... I mean, go figure and try to think, how is that going to end up? But everyone makes a choice whether or not they're going to follow God's authority or man's authority, whether they're going to submit to the word of God or they're going to submit to the word of man. But the world doesn't believe in neutrality. They don't. And neither should we. John chapter 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, Ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You know, for as much as the world talks about being objective, uh, they're really not. The unbelieving world prides themselves with their academic approach to life and their stand on tolerance. In theory, no one is more accepting than our modern day world in society. But in practice, they only allow for beliefs that are identical or similar to their own. And then they accuse Christians of being close-minded while they have zero tolerance towards any differing view. Anyone challenging the system, the world system, is branded as an unreasonable bigot, and if possible, canceled. And we see this time and time again. We watch it on the news. We see it online. Uh, this, is, this has become the normal. And no one wants to go through this kind of treatment. No one wants to go through this fight. It's tiring. And who wants the drama? And so a vast majority of Christians choose to remain silent with their faith, lest they accidentally offend someone. They, they adopt more of a neutral stand, thinking that if I become neutral, if I don't pose as a threat, then I won't be attacked. But understand that no man can serve two masters. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. For... Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Listen, you have to pick a side. You have to choose one. Are you going to live for the world or are you going to live for God? You can't make everyone happy. And I tell people this all the time. Stop trying to make everyone happy. The only person that really you should care about, the only person's happiness is God's happiness. You need to come to the place where you are all in, regardless of the world's reception of your message and your life. Now, I understand that we have, we all have a basic human need for acceptance. And I think this is why social platforms like Facebook are so popular. And we, we post a picture and we want interaction. We want social interaction. 
We want people to look at our, our things that we're posting and to like them and to comment. And we feel good about ourselves. You know, we, we'll post a, a selfie and then we want everyone to tell us how good we look <laughs> and how awesome we are. But your self-worth is not determined by the world. Your purpose and value is based on God's opinion, not the world's opinion. Don't give that power to the world. Don't give that power to the world where you are looking to the world for acceptance. Look to God for acceptance. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus makes an absolute statement that many today would not agree with. Jesus says, listen to this, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So Jesus is saying here that there can be no neutrality in, in one's relationship with him. Stop trying to be neutral. Stop trying to be in the middle. You have to pick a side. Pick the side of Christ. Pick the side of truth. Um, James chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Don't be a friend of the world and the enemy of God. You know, um, the words of Christ in Matthew 12, where he said, And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Listen, you're either making disciples or you are scattering those who would be disciples. You're either a follower of Christ or you're the enemy of Christ. But you have to pick a side. You have to choose, but you cannot be neutral. A desire for neutrality really changes the message of the gospel, and ultimately it weakens our faith. We need to choose life. I love Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. If you don't stand for something, then you're going to fall for anything. And the problem that we're finding today is that we're either, we're met with opposition and we either bury our heads in the sand instead of formulating a reasonable and biblical response, or we try to remain neutral. We try to hide. We try not to pose as a threat. Or we look at the world and we, we try to appeal to their intellect. Instead of looking at the real issue, instead of looking at the spiritual problem, we try to appeal to their human reasoning. Listen, we cannot reach the world through human reason. The human condition is a spiritual problem. Human reason can't account for the most important questions in life. Is there a God? Is the Bible God's word? If there is a God, am I accountable to him? And what is my purpose in life? Human reasoning does not answer these questions. We have to stop trying to reason with the world, and we need to start addressing the real issue with their need for reconciliation with God. Can I encourage you today? Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be wishy-washy with your spiritual stand, but commit and stand for biblical truth. Are you a Christian? Well, just embrace that. Embrace the fact that you're different and you're going to be different from the world. The world, they live a certain way. We should live differently. 
The world, they should, they dress a certain way. We should dress differently. The world, they act, their behavior is different. We should behave and act differently. The world, they have a different purpose in life. Our purpose is different. And so that reflects, that's reflected in our life's choices. Everything about us is different. You need to embrace that. You need to embrace the fact that uh, we're going to be opposed. The world's going to be trying to attack what we believe, to undermine the authority of God's word. Are we ashamed to represent the faith that we profess? If we really profess to be Christians, and if we really say that we love God, well then let's, let's just put ourselves out there. Let's have some courage. And let's realize there is no neutrality. No one is neutral. So don't be neutral. Be a Christian. Act like a Christian. And go and talk like a Christian. Share your faith. Talk to people about the Lord. Will they accept it? Some will and some won't. Some will mock you and others will listen. And so we need to try to make a difference where we can with the people who will listen, but make a difference. And don't just blend in with the mass sea of humanity and be neutral, well, so-called neutral. Live for God and do your best. That's all we can do, is to live a godly life and to do our very best to bring him glory. So I pray that this podcast today was a blessing to you. Listen, my goal is to be an encouragement. I'm trying to encourage you to look at your life and to realize that we have a purpose and we have a way in which we can give God glory. Uh, And we don't need to be living on the foreign mission field to do that. You could do that right where you are. There are people that need to be discipled right in your church, right in your neighborhood. And the only people, the only person that can have an effect on them is you. You are that person. You need to get out there and to try to do your part as we reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, uh, we're praying that everything is going well with you this week. Remember to follow us wherever podcasts are found, um, and we want to hear from you. We have that way on our website at hopezambia.com, in which you can write us if you have a comment or if you have something that you want to say. uh, We want to hear it. And so write us today. If you want to sign up to receive our newsletter that we send every month, every other month um, as well, you'll find that information on the website. But listen, let's get busy. Let's get busy. Let's realize that time is short. And if time is short, then we need to do what we can today. So today, go talk to someone and tell them about the Lord. Until next time, I'm Damon Matachera, and you're listening to the Let's Talk Mission podcast. I'm praying that you have a great week, and I can't wait to hear about how the Lord is using you in your life. So take care, and God bless.